Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I am super jazzed about today's episode for you. We're venturing into the world of advanced data analytics or artificial intelligence, AI, as you may have heard. And my guest today brings a decidedly people focus to the topic. So don't worry about nerding out on the show today. Before her entrepreneurial journey in the world of cognitive technologies, my guest, who was born in Israel, grew up in Switzerland, and earned her degree in mathematics and information technology from the University of Zurich, she may actually qualify as a nerd. So early in her career, she project managed IT operations and advised financial companies in the area of banking software, and then found her way to cognitive technologies. While you might be thinking computers, robots, devices, algorithms, she's thinking people. In particular, how AI can propel the human being, our impact on society, and new business potential. We have the pleasure of hearing from one of the top 10 pioneering women in cognitive technologies and a top digital shaper and leading voice in global artificial intelligence. I am delighted to welcome my new friend and co-founder and managing partner of Swiss Cognitive AI Hub, Dalit Steiger. Dalit, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks, Molly. I feel really privileged to be part, actually, of your Say It Skillfully radio show. I mean, you are a role model for how we can speak our minds at work in a positive and productive manner. And this is also very important in the collaborative world of human and AI. So I'm looking very much forward to our discussion. Well, I thank you for your kind words and the privilege is all mine for sure. I am so keen to lead for listeners to learn about this area of technology that's increasingly impacting our lives. But first, I appreciate if you'd help folks get to know you. Please share what growing up was like for you, the twists, the turns, your journey and to becoming this bright global citizen. Yeah, thanks. Um, I started as a very small child, as everyone, but uh, who really guided me through my life and actually even still is my grandma. She will be 102 this February. And uh, we were fortunate to celebrate her 100th birthday in February 2020, just before the lockdown back in Tel Aviv. And it was really great. For me, she's a big role model. She was a television presenter. She was a news journalist, book author, and she interviewed a number of statesmen. And she really moved society forward. She was a doer of her time. And her way of doing things always impressed me, especially as a child. And um, the way how she appeared on the political stage and in the business world, always dapper and in high heels. So she's my great role model. And from her, I learned to do and actually also to walk on high heels. And this is one of the things, my passion my passions, actually more than one. Uh, first of all, is my family, my two girls, 
it's technology and I love high heels. So um, this is where I am today, really supported by my grandma and uh, therefore also by my parents, obviously. Uh, my parents were and still are always here for me. They like, I don't know, how, if you say that in English too, we have this expression in German, they stand like a rock in the surf. So for me, they are even a role model how to be a parent by myself. I'm a mother of two young women. Uh, they're 18 and 20 and a half. And I think being a parent is like being the backbone for our children. And this is how I grew up. This is what my parents uh, gave me for my whole life. And talking about how I started... I was totally average. I mean, actually, probably even below average. <laughs> <laughs> My life was all about sports, scouts, friendship, family, and all other things. I don't, I don't need to talk in details here. And I didn't have an easy time in school because I always had other things in my mind instead of school. And somehow I managed to get into high school and there my professor told me, well, you actually do not belong here. And I was very frustrated because I, I always thought I'm a doer and my grandma is a doer, my parents are doers, so my whole uh, surrounding, they're like people, entrepreneurs. And then I thought, okay, how can I, how can I go further? And I tried and I really tried hard. And unfortunately, it was also very very hard to fight against my teacher's belief that I'm simply not good enough. I mean, he just told me, why are you even coming here? And uh, you, should, you should really think of something else. And then I had to repeat the class. And there I took the chance actually to change school because I thought, you know what? It's probably not a good idea to stay where I am because I just had this stamp on my, on my um, head not being good enough for this high school. So um, my parents always supported me and said, okay, you know, you will do your way. We believe in you and we know what's in you. And uh, starting a new school, no one knew what I wasn't capable to do. And I think this is a very important thing. And this is something that we always say, you know, sometimes you do something, although everyone tells you it's not possible, and we do it because we didn't know it's not possible and we just did it and we just succeed. And this is what would happen to me then in the new school. And I started to love math and physics. What at the end I studied math, I gave support lessons in math and people, the students, my friends really liked me because I was able to support and to help. And this gave me a lot of confidence into my own personality because I always had the feeling that I have to prove myself because my surrounding, non-family surrounding, just never believed in me. So perhaps there I got a, an additional kick where I must say, I don't wish that for anyone. It's not supportive. And I think you can also go your way much more straightforward. So um, this is pretty much like how I started to study math. And uh, I don't know, I can go on <laughs> into well, my business development, but perhaps uh, you have some other questions there. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm, thank you 
for sharing the reality because as listeners know, you know, you, you read these bios, you look at your bio, you look at you on the stage. It looks like it was this perfect journey. And obviously, you know, there was a lot of struggle there. It's when a young person hears you're not good enough, you know, that is, it's a, it's just like a knife wound. And I appreciate that your parents were so supportive. Were you able to just white out the people who were the non-believers? Did you have to work extra hard to believe in yourself or did it kind of come naturally? I'm curious how you rebuilt your sense of self-belief. Um. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it cost me two years of my life because I wasn't able to do it straightforward. I, I lost two years in school, one by not going straight forward to another school. And the second one, I simply had to repeat the class. Uh, what also was very tough for me, that it was kind of a proof that I wasn't good enough. Huh? And uh, there also, my parents always told me, it's not that you're not good enough. You're just perhaps you need to do more concentrate more on school and less on friends and scouts and uh, discos and so on and so forth. Uh, so they always believed in that I'm going to do my way. And I think this is what gave me the strengths. But it was tough. And one of the things that I did, and this is perhaps uh, nice to hear from your side, what you think, whether I was skillfully uh, minded when I went back, when I did my second uh, exam, in uh, mathematics at the university, I went back to this high school where the teachers told me that I'm not good enough. And I went to the dean and told him, hey, I just wanted to pop by and say, you know, I just finalized my second exam in mathematics with the highest score. And, you know, just to earn a little bit money, I thought perhaps I can, you know, give some uh, support lessons or even uh, come and educate, uh, teach uh, math at the high school. And he was just looking at me and he really, he was really kind of shocked. He said, are you the lit stager? And I said, I mean, there I was still the lit governor, but it doesn't matter. And I said, yes, why? And he said, you study mathematics? And I said, yeah, what's the big deal? I mean, you study German. It's probably not as complex as mathematics, but yes, I did. And I just thought, you know, to earn a little bit of money aside my study, it, it could be nice. I, I don't want to be a teacher, obviously, because I, I aim for more, but it would be nice if I can support you guys. And that just gave me such a nice feeling. It's probably not really constructive conversation, not very skillfully, but you know what? For me, it was such a nice experience to see him just not believing what he sees in front of him. This uh, young girl who actually struggled in math, struggled in French, struggled actually through the, all the subjects, uh, showing him the exams with the highest score you can get. So sometimes I think it's also nice if you just go, get up and tell people who do not believe in you what you achieved so they perhaps can learn for future how they act and react with others more yes, carefully. Yes, yes. I just want to point out that this this learning comes from all levels. And for those who are, you know, whether you're in leadership or whether you're quote unquote the teacher, it's always about uh, having a bit of a beginner's mindset and being able to learn. And, you know, I think for women, you know, I, I am curious through school with, um, 
you know, especially in, in math and in physics, were there a lot of other women in class with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, or would you kind of stand out? You're the only woman. I'm just, I'm just curious your experience um, from a gender standpoint. Uh, in high school, we were totally equal. Um, I guess this is like also quite abnormal because it wasn't a math oriented high school. It was like a general one. It was actually more in music and arts. Uh, but then at university, yes, we were m- maximum 20% women uh, at the first one and a half years because their mathematician and physicians are studying the same. So we were a little bit more. And afterwards, we were probably five women, not more, really, really a few. Um, yeah, today it decreased a little bit. We're still not there. But one thing that I like to point out is we shouldn't look on, only on, on the numbers as, um, you know, not putting them into a relation. We also need to see how we developed that, although we're still not enough women in Mint, um, we increased and we're still increasing. And it's important that we do, we, we how do you say, we we do the path for the younger generation. And this is one of my passions too, really to be here to support girls in tech, women in tech. And a very important point here, by the way, my math for me anyway, this is just another language. It's just a way of logical thinking. There's, uh, I don't know, actually, especially because women, they definitely are very strong in thinking in a logical way and especially also in languages. So why don't they actually study math? But the topic of cognitive technology, what we're gonna touch base also, this is something where, besides the languages, from a technical perspective, there is a lot of emotion intelligence coming in. And this is one of the things where I see a huge advantage now for women stepping into the technology area, even not knowing how to code. It's kind of a merge between the two worlds, the more technical one with the business one. So what we need to learn is the power of these tech that we have, what we can aim with them and how we can solve problems. And especially with regards to cognitive technology, obviously all these ethical questions and uh, how we support the human being, where are the boundaries, what it is all about policymaking. There, I think women has a very strong role and a great platform to start their careers. And we, Uh, are fortunate to have a lot of women reaching out to us, asking how they can collaborate with us, whether they can work with us as employees or internship or volunteers, because they see the advantage of getting into this tech world by um, having this strong emotional intelligence part, communication, uh, reflect on biases and negotiate. I love it. I love it. We're going to dig into that shortly. I'd like to segue first though, when you, you're born in Israel, grew up in, in Switzerland, you speak just so folks know here, German, English, Hebrew, as well as some French and Italian. Share a little bit about just moving across uh, the countries and then Dalit, um, what, what, 
background do you most identify with? Uh, at you know, kind of as a personal level, I'm just wondering um, yeah. your own sense of self. Um, first of all, I have to say, for me, being a mixture of uh, half Israeli, half Swiss, my father is from Zurich, from Switzerland. He grew up here. My mother is from Tel Aviv, so she's an Israeli. I think it's a, a great mixture of two DNAs, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. The Swiss people are... Uh, very sustainable. Everything what we do, and this comes out of our history also. I mean, (laughs) we're here since uh, 1291, so we have a few hundred years uh, that we can look backwards. We have much more experience as a country, and experience of a country is also like an experience of a corporate or experience of an individual. The longer you live, the more experience you have. Normally, it's not always like linear, but it's supposed to be at least uh, growing with the years. So the Swiss is a very quality-oriented culture, a lot about sustainability, otherwise we wouldn't be able to have this gutter tunnel built, for example. Um, And we're global citizens, we're neutral, we're open to every culture and every country. And uh, being a country of diplomats, actually, we have also the possibility at least to talk to every country and every culture. If they listen to us or not, this is in the second point, but at least we do have uh, this um, attitude and this benefit. Israel is a very young country, a very dynamic one. Um, it has a lot of ideas. It, they, they, always had to survive. And I don't want to get into these details and I don't want to have any politics in here, but at the end of the day, it's just a matter of fact that being in Israel, you had to learn to survive. You had to learn to make your way. And the big difference between Switzerland and Israel is that Switzerland is well located in Europe, in Europe with all the countries, neighbors who, who love us, who wants to do business with us, uh, who respect us, whether in Israel is a little bit different. So Israel always have to look more towards the states and so on and so forth. So it's a total different attitude. And I think to combine those two by cherry picking the good things, let's put it that way, or at least what I feel is good, uh, is being agile, being being um, strong, going forward, trying things out, have also this failure culture where I actually rather talk about experience culture than failure because doing the failure is actually just doing the experience. And on the other hand, having this quality um, DNA, the sustainability, looking forward to see, okay, how can I create even something agile and and fast and still taking it, uh, how do you say, like um, build it in a way that it's good for the generation to come. So if you ask me, where do I feel more? I can't tell you. I feel home on both sides. I love both countries. I love both uh, culture. And uh, this is perhaps one of the reasons why I haven't traveled that much. I traveled, but not as much as probably some of my friends, because every summer I'm actually in Israel at least for a month. 
still, besides Corona, obviously. And people ask me, why don't you go and see other countries? It's just because I love to go home and I love to come home. Yes. Do you have siblings and how, uh, how broad is your family network? Um, I have a lovely younger brother. I still call him my young brother, although he's much taller than me, obviously. He is uh, four years younger, also an entrepreneur. <laughs> and we're only the two of us, but we have uh, quite a lot of cousins uh, in Switzerland, but most are in Israel and the States and England. So we're quite um, distributed and we have very strong relations. And uh, we, especially now also during COVID, we kept up, you know, virtually. And for me, family is the most important thing. For me, there is like nothing more important than my family. Yes, I um, I love that your your entire family are global citizens, and you know I'm I'm wondering, have you ex- specific experiences of any sort of of bias against you? And I'm just I'm just wondering how you dealt with that. Maybe it was oh, just a yeah. one off. So share share with folks what that what that's been like for you. Yeah, I mean, one of the very uncomfortable situation that I had. Uh, and actually, not only when I was young, as I mentioned, my um, passion is also about high heels. So I started to wear high heels since I'm 16. And I like to be a woman. I like to, to get dressed nice and have skirts. And just even though I'm in a man's world, I still remain a woman. I don't see why I should, you know, somehow there is no, no carnival. I just can't be myself. And we had this high, uh, this, uh, no, it wasn't high school. Sorry, it was university. The university, we had kind of a, um, a party. Uh, how you call this when you have this uh, where everyone gets dressed very nice and you have this uh, musicians and there's I don't there is like an expression you have uh, a formal a end. formal kind of affair that's like it's like a, at the end of the year where you like have the celebration at the university and everything get, get so anyway so I, I went there with my friends and uh, they were actually studying economics and I was the only one studying mathematics and um, we were three girls and they took me and we met there some other uh, boys and uh, we started to chat. And um, one of them asked me, oh, okay, so you're studying also economics? And I go like, no, I'm studying math. And he just looked at me and apparently said, women like you, dressed like you are not studying math. I was literally standing and staring at him And at the beginning, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I mean, I was very perplexed. And then my friend jumped in and said, sure, what do you think? She is studying math. Why why should she look different? But that was a very uncomfortable situation. And uh, unfortunately, you can imagine... Also, later on in business, when I came in and I had like responsible role, but sometimes people ask me, oh, are you are you writing the protocol or, you know, stuff like that, that people just don't realize that, hey, guys, I can be a woman. I can be really um, feminine, uh, but still being in tech. 
So I had quite some of these. And the last one, by the way, again, with high heels. And this is probably also one of the reasons that I kept, I mean, besides that I love high heels, but I kept this kind of like my brand. I mean, once, and it's not, it's probably three years ago, you won't believe, um, we had a physical event and uh, people started to come in and someone reached out to me and said, oh, nice to meet you. Who are you? And then I told him, okay, I'm the lit. That's actually four years. We haven't been, they didn't, we haven't been that known yet. And then I explained him what we're going to do and what I'm doing. And then he just said, but you know, it needs more than cool high heels. And you know, if someone tells you something like this, it you feel really sorry for this person, but it also hurts you a lot. Wow, I want to give you a big hug. I um, I hear you, and it's there's so much ingrained when people see they don't realize uh, the way they see. And, yeah, but uh, you know, if I may right. just interrupt you quickly, what is really important, and this is something that uh, other people had to tell me, at the end of the day, they disqualify themselves. And you have to bring yourself into a position where you stand up and say, wow, okay, I don't have to take it personally, because if anyone else is listening to this person, we have two possibilities. Either they realize and the other person is being disqualified by himself or herself, where I must say I've never heard such a thing from a woman. And if the other person is there, doesn't realize they're on the same level, so they disqualify both of them. I totally agree with you. And <laughs> it's, you know, this is the thing, and it's, it's um, how should I say this? I, I use the term staying high, and you're right. People bury themselves. And, and I think for folks who are on the receiving end to be able to create the transparent that says, oh, wow, I appreciate that you said that, uh, doesn't land for me and, um, calling them out in an appropriate way is something I, I know a lot of people say, well, I just let it go. And I think, well, wait a second, if we let it go, we're not being transparent about the effect it has. And not that one can't take it, but mm -hmm. also in enabling people to think that that's actually okay to do. And it doesn't need to be combative. And to your point, we feel sorry for people like this. And it's, it, you know, it could be as simple as, well, I feel really sorry for you in, in making a statement like that. I can't imagine that you would have done so intentionally to, you know, have someone- to your yeah. yeah, to your daughter. This yeah, is one to your of daughter. Things, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Right, and, and and I just want to encourage folks. It doesn't have to be a giant, huge statement, but don't let don't let it just go. People think, oh, I just let it under the carpet. But when we do mm -hmm. that, we're perpetuating that it can. That's true. Yeah, and it, we just, again, we can't control that they wouldn't say it again. But mm -hmm. transparency breeds self-correcting behavior. And to your point, everyone can know, like, oh my gosh, what a blah blah blah. But if the guy realizes that everybody looks at a way they have a chance to say, you know what? I apologize completely out of line. I was mm -hmm. insensitive and please accept my apology. 
right? And mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. listen, I, I've, I've said, you know, way more than I'd like to admit things that weren't right. And <laughs> so I do think it's important to not make it an us versus them, but to say, hey, we can all be helping people be better, um, which clearly, obviously you do in spades. Um, so fascinating. Okay. So let's get to the topic at hand. You give us a little bit of how you came out of university and just how you picked your career jobs. Just, I think it's helpful for listeners just to get your thought process, if it was very intentional or maybe it was an accident and then how you got, I got onto this exciting cognitive technologies journey. Sure. I mean, first of all, if someone would have told me earlier, especially my parents, hey, she will study mathematics, I would say, excuse my French, but you're nuts. (laughs) I will never do that. Um, But I did. And uh, I came across computational biology and had the chance to go to the one of the cancer research institutes in Germany, actually in Heidelberg, to write my my thesis there. And um, I actually wanted to stay there and do my postdoc and so on and so forth. But I had two parties who weren't really excited about this decision. On one hand, it was my boyfriend who became my husband and father of my two lovely girls who said, you know what, um, how about coming back and start, you know, real life, having a family and so on. And the other thing, uh, the other party were my parents. Uh, They said, you know what, you're studying now for quite a while and probably it's better start work and then see what you want to do. You can always go back to university and study and to do your PhD, but it might be a good thing just, you know, get into the real world and start to work. So uh, finally I came back and I really had no clue what actually a mathematician could do because you can put us everywhere. We've learned the way of logical thinking We are very strong in analytical thinking. We can um, adapt to different topics very fast. This is what we've learned. So I mean, being in Switzerland and having a friend of my mother who said, oh, you know, UBS, one of our biggest bank, uh, they have like an interesting model. Why don't you just check them out? So I called the HR manager and uh, I don't know why, he picked up the phone and we started to talk. And then he and then I said, listen, I just finalized my studies in a mathematician with blah, blah, blah. And what could you suggest? What, what kind of job could you suggest to me? And then he goes like, you know what? Send me, hand me in your CV and then we will check. And I said, no, sorry, I think we misunderstood each other. I'm not handing in anything. If I don't know if you have something for me, why should I? I mean, first of all, I want to know what are you guys doing? Is there something interesting to me? So he he came and said, yeah, we do have this and this. And I said, okay, that's fine. I would like to know more about that. And it was actually a holiday and he was uh, nevertheless in the office. And then I told him, okay, so if you want, I'll be here. I'm riding a bike. I can be there in your office 20 minutes. We can discuss further. And he goes like, yeah, but today is a holiday and actually I wouldn't be in the office. And then I said, yeah, but you are. So why don't we just do it? And this is probably my Israeli part, you know, just saying, hey, just let's do it. I mean, not only talking, uh, I would like to see what's what's in for, for both sides. Uh, so at the end, I 
went there and when I came, the contract was already ready. We discussed and I got this job and I simply started as a software developer at the bank, uh, actually together with several. And uh, we started there. It was fabulous. Two months of education in banking, in finance, in development. And I did more or less all the courses and education that I was able to do. And I had a great boss. And there, I must say a huge thank you to him. Uh, He definitely laid the ground for my career. He was very supportive. He really brought me to the next level. And uh, this is probably one of the junction in my life uh, than getting into the business world. I've learned a lot from him and we're still friends. And uh, going through this corporate life, and I must say I had, I had also an opportunity to start in a startup, friends of mine, they had a startup and they really wanted me to uh, get in there. And there, it was more my Swiss part. I said, yeah, you know, I just finalized my studies. I should earn a little bit of money. I need to have something sustainable. I actually want to go first in a corporate, in the bank, you know, be a, 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 a nice girl. <laughs> Instead of just started, they, they did, they, I mean, they earned a hell of a lot of money. They did a great, a great IPO. And even after that, a management buyout again. So I wouldn't need to work anymore if I would have started there. But as mentioned, it was probably more my Swiss part saying, nah, nah, we're doing things we know. And um, after that, uh, I switched I, I got my my first daughter uh, during my uh, my uh, work at uh, at the bank and actually even the second one and when she was six months old I switched to another company actually a software development company for a, a financial institution and I switched to the other side kind of what was very interesting. And after three years, unfortunately, to the health of my older daughter, I had to step back and really be there for her. Uh, We had, unfortunately, quite a long time also in hospitals, and I just wanted really to be there for her. And I realized I can't do both. It's going to be too stressful because when I do something, I do it 100%. And it didn't work out, obviously. So I had to step back and I had a lot of time to think. And in parallel to the whole thing, what you just heard, my husband and I built up a a design agency. What actually is doing the whole design today for for my company, for Swiss Cognitive. And um, as we discussed previously to this uh, show, to this discussion, I'm separated, but we're still good friends and we work together. We're a good team. It's probably more like brothers and sisters because we got together with 18. We know each other since 11. So this is just like how the past separated us, but we're still working together on different levels. And obviously, we're, I, I would say we're a great team for our, for our girls as, as, as parents. So um, after that, I thought, okay, I'll just started to work more in this agency. And um, this is what brought me away from corporate and was only, well, was like in, in our own company, we ran that. But 
for me, it was more like a necessity. A necessity, you know, being flexible for the kids and still work because I'm just not the type of person not working. I think I would get bored and I haven't studied at the end of the day for myself just to remain at home. And when my children got older and they switched to high school is where I got up and said, okay, guys, now I did my job. I had my responsibility. I worked in the AGT of uh, my husband's and my um, uh, company. And I was here for the family. I did everything. I really seeking to go back into my field because technology is just where my heart beats. I love design. I love art and everything, but it wasn't, I wasn't able to express myself. I wasn't able to really develop myself and, and find my passion. And if you're passionate, then you're good. And somehow I, I had the feeling, I mean, he is for me, one of the best designers ever. I mean, we just, we just launched our um, new website 24 hours ago wow. uh, with him together. And I must say he, he is great because he does his passion and for me, he and actually also my mother are the role models. If you love to do something, you're just good. And I was always thinking of, I want to have this too. I always thought that I'm not the way they are. I can't be as passionate. And then I stood up. I had quite some discussions with good friends, uh, also professionals, who supported me in the decision. And I had a great support also from, from my husband, or actually ex-husband, um, saying, okay, you really need to go your path. So when my kids changed to high school and I knew they're actually the whole day there, I have more freedom and I can really step into something that I want. The only thing what my husband told me that he begs me not to go back in a corporate because he's afraid I will just not be happy because of uh, um, different situation that we had before in corporates and especially being as an entrepreneur for so long, it's probably quite hard. And he said, just don't do it just for the sake of money, do something that you love to do. So try to find something. And this is where I came more and more into cognitive technology. I uh, have been in uh, Barcelona, the Garner event, where I, for the first time, tapped into uh, this digital employee topic. And coming from a digital world, and I'm leading the Society Leadership Forum already for 14 years, I was always connected to the uh, IT world and to the latest trends and what's going on in technology. So I suddenly felt this is a solution. This is actually a huge, a great solution for the human being. Because cognitive technology, and I'd rather talk about cognitive technology than AI, because I'll just do like a short uh, explanation why I don't like the expression of AI. If we talk about artificial intelligence, it just puts you, for me, in the wrong relation. If we talk about artificial joints, artificial organs, even artificial plants, we always think that it must be as natural as possible, isn't it? But if we talk about artificial intelligence, it's not that we would like to copy our human intelligence, our brain. 
It's more about the cognitive intelligence and augmented intelligence that supports the human being where we are weak or where we can be supported simply to free time, to have more time for interpersonal uh, activities for our families. So when I saw that, I thought, this is it. This is where my heart beats, besides high heels. Uh, this is where my heart beats. And I got into it and I started to have an idea and uh, discussed with friends. And I'm not a, a lonely wolf. I have always to have people around me. This is also why I love my family. I'm a person who wants to share, wants to discuss, to debate, wants to be challenged and also like to challenge others. So I was actually looking for someone who has the, the passion uh, and wants to join me. And this is where I started my discussion with Andy. He was also part of the Society Leadership Forum and he immediately realized the idea and made it with me together even bigger. Together we wrote then in a in a day, we had like an offsite workshop together and we wrote down the strategy for Swiss Cognitive, which is still actually active. It's still the same strategy we defined together now almost six years ago. And we started with our company and I had actually a great support from everyone. But then comes something that is on one hand very nice and on the other hand also very sad. We were very successful. I was like, you know, how do you say? You, you feel totally full of adrenaline. I was a lot away. I was traveling. I saw a lot of people. I had great conferences, great meetings, great discussions, great everything. And I really felt the time of my life. But on the other hand, I had a husband waiting at home and working from home and being lonely. And this is where actually our relations started really to, to be challenged. Because my kids, they have been to school, they have scouts, they have sports. Uh, they were all over in this age, obviously. And they also realized that, but they realized even more that they have a sad daddy at home. And, um, and, this is something that makes me very sad. And this is something that if you would ask me, would you do this again? I would say, I would try to find a way how you can do it um, more inclusive, more inclusive, more integrated. I don't know. It's really, really, really difficult, the situation, because we were just realizing that the two of us were standing on the other point of life. He did already a lot and he wanted more to lay back and do just some project that he really loves and have more time together with me, especially because the kids are out, because we have for the first time more time for ourselves as a, as a partner, as, as, a, as friends, as a sparing partner. Because we, yeah, I mean, we know each other since we were 11. We have a lot in common. And I actually was waiting for the time to, you know, to spread my wings and start something that I'm passionate about, that fulfills me, that pushes my adrenaline, uh, that I can move something in society 
It was about, hey, doing a wake-up call for Switzerland, saying, hey, we have financial institutions. We're known for, for finance, for chocolate, for watches, and for pharma. And the only thing that is really sustainable is pharma. Finance just dropped. And I have two kids. What shall I give them in the future? A sustainable ecosystem, a sustainable welfare. We need to do something. And I just stood up and said, hey, Switzerland can combine his only natural resource, the brain, together with technology. We always did that in the past and amplify and generate something new and position ourselves globally on the AI map and uh, ensure a sustainable future for the coming generation. So I was totally passionate about that. And somehow, as mentioned, unfortunately, my family for the first time got a little bit into the background and this hurts a lot and you think this is very difficult and I think it's also a story that normally you hear more from fathers than from mothers and there is a lot to learn and to do different and uh, I would definitely do the step again because I think I've found what really fulfills me but I would do it different I so appreciate your sharing that. Uh, I feel it in the heart and uh, I feel some of the pain that happened um, and I don't wish that for you. And I, I, um, I can see you working with it and finding a better way. You know, and I think for all folks listening, sometimes we, you know, if we could do it over, we would. But sometimes you don't have that opportunity and um, you learn and you grow. And I think it's great you have you know, created strong relationship with uh, your ex-husband and, um, and and find a way, you know, and uh, so I appreciate your sharing that, Dalit. Thanks. So the topic, and I'm just, uh, we could stay on for another hour. There's, it's so fascinating, but the cognitive um, technologies, could you, for our listeners, and remember, we're kind of all very basic here, just share a bit about the space, maybe just a little bit of an introduction, mm-hmm. you know, and some things maybe people see as hype or uh, just give us a, your perspective on it. Just, you know, if you're at a cocktail party, how do you help um, <laughs> average people, you know, understand it and see the upside? I know there's some challenges too. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. Um, and I'm going to say something very, it's, that's my very personal view. And you're going to have a lot of people say, oh, no, that's not true. But for the time being, especially because we are very much single purpose driven with the cognitive technology, I still say we are talking about super, super sophisticated statistics. It is an algorithm that learns. That's true. But it's still, at the end, a decision that needs to be taken. Now, if you think about how the human being functions, the human being is looking, it has his perception, and then it has his reasoning. And if you look at the cognitive technology there alongside exactly to all what we do as human beings. And if you think about, we have a discussion now, and if we would have it on Saturday evening with a bottle of wine, it would be totally different. 
And this is how the human being function. There is emotions and there are different um, uh, information that we have. And the information is very much driven by the, uh, or uh, the information drives the results. Same for an algorithm. The more information you get, the more you adjust your conclusions. So it is really a much uh, really about how accurate data is, how much data we have that we go through uh, in a uh, with a with an algorithm. So this is also one thing that people say: yeah, algorithms are biased, or actually, the technology AI is biased. And um, biased, it's only the human being. We are providing biases. We're providing the data. Sometimes the data is even not good enough, so we have to work on the data. But for me, what is really important, we have to think of an algorithm that gets data, has a goal, learns out of the data, and by the learning, adjusts sometimes the way of going left or right. I'm just saying it like really trivial. It's like really... I, in school, we used to have this um, uh, flow diagrams, you know, when you put the number in the top, like let's say four, and then it says add two, make six, is this number um, bigger than uh, seven or, or smaller? And then you go left or right, and then you keep doing this uh, more and more. And at the end, you have another number, and then it says again, some uh, uh, results, uh, some questions. And uh, then it goes, okay, you have to go back, back to the start and you do it again, again, and again. So after a while, it stops. Why? Because you got to the results where you wanted to be. And this is because you had enough information. So we're not talking about superintelligence. Superintelligence has not existed even in the laboratories, laboratories today. We're not talking about science fiction and also not about Terminator. It's really about single purpose. And those single purpose can support and augment the human being in healthcare, for example, if you're looking at breast cancer. And a doctor has a doesn't have the same capacity, obviously, like an algorithm, especially not the experience. I mean, before you went to the doctor, he saw your, your x-ray. He may have asked a friend back in the States, back in Australia, back in China, back in wherever, saying, hey, I'm not really sure. Can you have a look at it? We always said you have to have a second opinion. This is one of the sentences I know from my parents you get an answer from a doctor, you need to have an operation or something, a surgery. They say, first of all, get a second, a second uh, opinion. Well, with the algorithms, you get millions of second opinions because it just compares your x-ray to a lot of other x-rays where at the end of the day, the doctor has support to see whether the likelihood of a breast cancer who is not obvious is here or not. At the end of the day, it's always the human being taking uh, uh, the decision because it's also about your your shape it's also about your um, psychological uh, circumstances so this is where i say hey we need to take this 
technology to support us in decision-making, in guiding us towards uh, the right uh, path. But it's our human being's responsibility, obviously, to reflect, to challenge, and to make sure that the outcome is feasible, is right, is, in, is, is not biased. And here again, it's only biased if the data is biased and the data is biased because of us. So I always say now we have the time to unbias the bias because someone puts a mirror in front of us and say, hey, why do we have those results? It's because what you collected is already biased. So now you have really to dig in and make it better. So... This is pretty much what we're talking about, you know, and there is one, uh, do we have time for a very nice story about human and AI? Do a quick story and then we'll wrap. One of the nicest stories that I've heard recently is about formula and uh, one of uh, the tests, they did a test uh, round in uh, Hockenheim and the driver came back and said, hey, something is wrong. They checked all the sensors. They checked all the technology. Everything was well. He did it a few times. Every time he came back and said something is wrong. What happened is on a certain point, he had to pass, surpass, uh, or that, how do you say, like underneath a, a bridge. And this was out of steel. And it uh, had like a Faraday's uh, uh, net. And for Less than a second, obviously, the sensors weren't able to connect to the to 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 the technology, and the human being realized that. So this is a very nice example to show the human being is the plus one sensor in this connected world. I love how you've made that so simple, and it's the singular purpose to really augment the decision's ability, better information to make better decisions. And as you said, technology doesn't solve problems people do. Uh, We will have you back because I'd love to get to another level on the cognitive technologies. I think there's a lot for people to consider and to just appreciate because it is going to shape and influence our our lives in the future. You have been so generous. I'm just going to wrap with one question for you now. And you have shared a lot. And I would just love to hear what was it like for you to share your journey today? Very authentic. It's like, I think it's one of the important things that we share because we can learn from each other. And I think I don't have, you know, to pretend to be someone I'm not. And uh, for me, it's important also for my two girls that I will be always authentic and can stand up and say, okay, this was good. This wasn't good. I regret that. Uh, this is what I've learned from my parents and my my grandma, and this is what I'm trying to be and to give further to my girls. I love it. I appreciate you, authentic Dalit. You exude immense positivity. You've shown us how it is to lead your own self, um, and your sense of wonder and pursuit of what's possible for the world is inspiring. I can't thank you enough for being a big part of the solution. If I can be helpful to you, I'm here for you. I'm cheering for you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Molly. Ah, what a bright light. 
my thought for the week as we wrap, and it's from one of the speakers at Elite's recent AI conference from David Schreier, and he's an AI um, uh, expert and CEO of a collaborative learning company. And he mentioned three keys to effective learning. Watch, do, explain. Whether you're in the student or the teacher role, I offer you that. Watch, do, explain to help you and others to continue to grow. And that's a wrap. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify the elite's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 